Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Shot fired, shot fired. Covenant Christian Schools. A 28-year-old former student. Open fire. We know that she was armed with at least two assault-type rifles. As a nation, we owe these families more than our prayers. For treatment of a respiratory infection. If she is cleared to perform or participate in the Holy Week ceremonies, he will. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday. Got a full crew here today. Benny is back. Uh, taxes uh, eased up a little bit today? Not really. I just need some time <laughs> to vent. <laughs> just, well, just give me ten minutes just to let it rip. I'm kidding. Speaking of uh, taxes, the... Uh, Tax King from H&R Block is with us, Keith Kidwell, Representative Keith Kidwell. He's actually here today as uh, Representative Keith Kidwell uh, to talk about there's a lot of stuff coming out right now in Raleigh. And one of the bills we want to talk about has actually been sponsored by Keith. It is the entitled uh, the Human Life Protection Act of 2023 is the short title. And uh, to talk about this and some other issues that are coming out of Raleigh, uh, Keith, welcome in. Always good to have you. Thanks, Tom. Good to see you. So tell us, uh, give us just a synopsis of uh, what your pro-life bill would be about. Well, you know, my faith teaches me that life begins at conception, and that's where I'm going with this bill. I'm trying to protect the, the unborn children. It's one of the main reasons I went to Raleigh. Anybody that's followed my campaign knows I've been staunchly pro-life from day one. This bill, we were reading through it uh, before we came on the air, and one of the things that stood out to both Benny and I was the fact that under the exceptions, it's a relatively short bill, and I'm assuming folks can go read it online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You can get it at ncleg.gov. Under the exceptions, we did not see anything about rape or incest under the exceptions. Well, again, life does begin at conception, Tom, and... and, uh, my faith teaches me, the Bible teaches me, that the sins of the father will not be visited upon the children. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I've, I've actually spoken to women. I've, I've met a number of women who have delivered children that were the product of rape uh, and or incest. In the pregnancy centers that I've worked in, I've, I've come across those. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not a great thing uh, to see that hap- happen, obviously. Uh, but, again, the, that the child, I don't believe the child should be punished for what, what a father has done. And, and Benny and I were talking about this at the beginning uh, before we came on the air. In actuality, the numbers prove out that it's 0.01% of people seeking abortions. That's a very small number uh, there I, I, because I, of rape or incest. I, I agree with everything you just said. And I agree with you that the, the, the baby in the womb should not be punished for something that was done. It's a human being. And yep. I, I agree with that. But I think you're going to have a hard time getting this thing passed without that exception in there. Well, that's why we draft bills and they go through a bunch of different committees. So would you would you be open if someone said, "Hey, I can support this"? Except, I mean, is there is there the ability to modify this going forward? If 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 you, I mean, I realize it's your bill. I'm not trying to talk <laughs> you into anything. I'd like to see the bill pass, but I, I look at it and I think to myself. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather I'd rather see a pro-life bill that will save some and pass than a, than a pro-life bill that would save all and fail. So the reason I dropped this bill when I did, Tom, is is I've been waiting. Uh, I've been told for four years that if we get the majority, we'll run pro-life legislation. 
In, in the four years I've served in the General Assembly, I've submitted a bill very similar to this each time, and, and nobody ever seemed to care before. It would never move, okay? Uh, we ran a couple of times the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Act that the governor vetoed, and this year I came in, I was told, well, we have the majority, we're going to run some bills, and here we are, we're coming up on April. And there's not been even a concurrence between uh, the caucuses on what we're going to do. So what is this bill? This is the conversation starter. Okay. All right. So, uh, Keith, um, I guess was it last summer that uh, the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe versus Wade? I guess it was last summer. Yeah, right? the Dobbs, yes, yeah, Dobbs decision. Dobbs yeah. decision. Um, so, so right now, in North Carolina, if nothing is done, what is the law? Twenty weeks. Twenty weeks. Now, here's the bad news, Benny. North Carolina has become the destination in this area for abortion. We've had a 37 percent uptick in abortion wow. from people out of state. Because we have some of the la most lax abortion laws on the East Coast, outside of New York and New Jersey. Now, what time frame is that? Is that since since, since, since last Wade was over? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Just because the other surrounding states are, are, in other words, if a woman is pregnant at 18 weeks, she couldn't get an abortion in uh, adjacent states, but she could in North Carolina. Correct. Now, there, there's other states that have passed bans on abortion, so, with the, with no exception to with race. No exception. The, I believe Oklahoma did. Didn't I think it was Texas as well. Was mm -hmm. Okay. So if if this is, as this goes forward, assuming it goes through the the channels, when would you see this coming up for a vote? I, honestly, I don't think you'll see this bill come up for a vote. What I really hope is that this will start the General Assembly to do something to dial back abortion. I, I told leadership at the very beginning of this session. Uh, personally, I, I would like to see us to get to a conception situation. Uh, but if I can dial abortion back from 20 weeks to 19 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, if that's the best we're going to get out of this General Assembly, I'll, I'll vote for that bill. It's not what I want. But I'm going to do whatever I can to dial back abortion. It's one of the main reasons I went to Raleigh. And, by the way, I, I, can, I can echo what Keith said about his pro-life stance. He's been very involved in the pregnancy centers uh, down in Washington and uh, the Pregnancy Center in Washington, which is connected to the one in Greenville here, and uh, done a great job. Thanks for thanks for introducing this. Thanks for getting the conversation going. If you got time, let's talk about a few other issues. Sure. I, you know, before we leave that, I, I sure. think that is the key. I mean, just before we went on, I mean, I, I, it's kind of apparent that we we might have some differences in what we would want to see an abortion bill look like. But I applaud you for getting the conversation started because if you know, if, if a shot's not fired, then uh, right. the, the issue's going to never be taken up. That's so exactly I, right. And, yeah, I, I, I've that. seen it stall long enough. I've been told too many times on too many issues, when we get the majority, we're going to do this and that, and, and I'm, I'm not going to wait. Let, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's do something. And uh, hopefully this works. We'll, we'll see what happens. So yesterday, the uh, North Carolina House leaders unveiled their proposed state budget. Uh, Cooper will be under some pressure to sign the final version if he wants to see his Medicaid expansion go forward. Uh, some interesting things in this bill, some positives if uh, you're a state employee or a teacher listening in. State employees will receive pay raises of at least 7.5% over the next two years. Teachers will receive just north of 10% over the next two years. State highway patrolmen will receive an 11% pay raise over the next two years. Uh, I, you know, these, these, are, these are nice competitive uh, increases. I'm assuming that based – I saw something today. I think there's a vacancy rate in state employment of 23%. Is that it's, right? it's coming up on 25%. Uh, we've had presentations from 
from agriculture, from insurance, all of the departments are, are suffering. But, you know, so is the, the uh, just the business side of, of uh, hiring people. I, I know, Benny, you own a business, and I, I know that we're having a difficult time trying to find employees that want to work. Uh, you know, I, I think part of that problem is, is when you're giving every, everything away for free, why go to work? Yeah, and that, I mean, every profession, I mean, you called it. I mean, I, whether you talk to engineers, accountants, lawyers, yep. uh, physicians, uh, there's such a big gap in that, uh, uh, the, the war gap. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Baby boomer gap. Yes. Uh, so many of them have been retiring, and that, the generation right behind them, which is, I guess, basically my generation, uh, just is, there weren't enough of them. Uh, and that's part of the problem. Well, that, that is part of the problem. Uh, you know, but when we do things like we just. You know, not we, because I voted no. Uh, past Medicaid expansion. That's one of the discussions we had in caucus. Is you're incentivizing not working, and when you incentivize not working, guess what's going to happen? People are going to not work. Well, Bingo. we've seen a lot since uh, March of 2020 uh, when people kind of got use of not uh, working and and getting a check sent to them. Uh, it's well, kind of hard for them to get back in the workforce. And, and they they won't come to work. They literally no. won't come to the office mm-hmm. in some cases. You know, while we're talking about the pro-life bill, I I see that, and there's some, it looks like non-monetary issues related to the budget, but I see one of the uh, issues in here for those who are pro-life that most conservatives are, a limitation on state funds for abortion prevents state funds from being used in the performance or in support of the administration of an abortion unless certain exemptions criteria are met, such as the mother's life being in danger of the pregnancy or as a result of rape. Uh, again, what what kind of response have you heard from Democrats just on this issue? Quite honestly, the budget just came out. We got it. The, the general population in the General Assembly got the budget uh, the same time it went public. It's It's been an appropriation. So they're just now digesting it. Yeah, it's, it's not been digested yet. Quite honestly, uh, I'm in the finance side. We look at the... Uh, the full package. We delivered our budget to uh, the appropriations chairs about a week or so ago, and uh, we'll sit down on Tuesday. The finance committee will get together and we'll we'll scrub the budget. So I'll be reading the budget over the weekend in between doing tax returns. There was something rather interesting in this, though, and it has to do with the uh, raising of the age of uh, judges at the appeals court level and the Supreme Court level. Uh, it looks like it's going to go from 72 to 76. Obviously, that helps uh, the uh, Chief Justice uh, Paul Newby. He'll be able to serve his full term. So will some Democrats that are on either the the appeals court or the Supreme Court. Uh, what was the thinking behind that? Have you heard? So yeah, actually, that was something we've been talking about for a couple of years. And you know, part of the problem, as we talk about, is it's a hard time to get people uh, that want to run for these positions sometimes because the judges. Uh, don't make as much as lawyers. So, you know, you've got to get these people and give them an incentive to come out. And one of those is you get a better pension plan, health care, that type of stuff. Uh, so, you know, we, we've got to keep the judges on that are, that are there. Uh, it's just hard to fill the seats. I mean, in Beaufort County, we almost never have a competitive race for any of the judge seats. So I, I, I would have thought, I didn't go back and look, I didn't have time this afternoon, but I would have thought that was a uh, North Carolina Constitution number. Is that not correct? I don't think it's constitutional, no. I'd, I'd have to check the Constitution on that, but I think it's actually law. We, we can't change a law if it's, if it's in the Constitution. So right. you can't the only thing you could the do, I, I guess you could present it as a voting measure. For You'd the have people. to do it as a constitutional amendment. Right, okay. Yeah. So to put it in the budget, it's not going to, if it was a constitutional issue, you couldn't put it in the budget and make that change. 
This is out of the Senate, but I wanted to get your reaction to it. Senate Bill 406, uh, choose your school choice for your future. Basically, it sounds like something similar to what Florida just passed, where anybody – now, it would be a tiered uh, situation depending on your income is how much tuition you would get for a private school. But basically, we're looking at if this passes, the Senate bill passes and goes over the House and passes – um, parents would have their opportunity to send their kids to private school, and the state would pay for at least part of it. Well, you know, people say that by sending children, and I've, I've actually gotten a couple of emails on this recently, by sending children to private schools or homeschool, that you're taking money away from the schools. You're, it's not the school's money. <laughs> it's, it's money that's designated for the children. It's taxpayers' money. And wherever those children are being educated is where we should spend the money to educate them. I don't think that – I believe that the state should not be involved in education any more than saying, you know, we're going to teach a certain set of subjects. We're going to make sure you raise to a certain standard. Uh, but I don't think they should tell us where we have to send children to go to school, particularly when we see an, – and, and I'm not going to fault the public school system on this. I'm going to fault what one of the teachers told me, a principal in Craven County, uh, as I toured every school in my district a couple of years ago before COVID, and I asked all the teachers the same question, what's the biggest obstacle in educating the children in this school? And I got the same response from all but one. One said money, and he had to think about that, and he was a fairly new teacher. Every other teacher and principal told me the exact same answer, home life. Parents don't participate. They're too busy worrying about the, the soccer game. They're too busy worrying about what they're doing after work, the vacation, the cell phone. You know, and, and what really got me, Tom, and this, this was, it scared me. The principal down there told me, she said, you know, the problem we have, Representative, we have more grandparents today ra raising children than ever in the history of this country. I said, yeah, I see that because, Benny, you and I see it in our business. Yeah. And she said, now well, I want you to think about this. Why? Because they raised a failed generation of children that can't raise their own children, and these same grandparents who failed one generation will now fail another. Well, that scared me. Quite frankly, there's too many homes where both parents aren't there. And listen, I, I'm not condemning that. Hear me clearly, but it doesn't take a village. It takes two parents to, to raise children as they should be raised in an ideal situation. And, uh, you know, for those single moms or single dads out there trying to raise your kids, you know, we, we applaud you for your efforts, but it's like pushing a rock uphill. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a very difficult situation, more, and statistics yeah. show uh, that if you have two parents in a home, the children are far more successful in life in general. So, you know, that, that really is the ideal situation, and I think that, you know, we need to strive toward getting to that destination. And, you know, going back to the, the dollar amount of this, it looks like, I'm just glancing through it real quickly here, but it looks like the most uh, a parent could get for their child if they were on the lower side in terms of income would be uh, just over $7,400. Um, if you're at the minimal amount, it would be just over 3300 which I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm pulling from memory here, but I'm pretty sure both those numbers are less than what is being spent on a child's education right now to go to a public school. I, I know in, in my district it's around $15,000 per child. Wow. And, and that doesn't count capital expenditures. No, that, that's the cost of, of education for each child. Right. So <laughs> we're looking at half. So those people that would say, oh, you know, you're going to take money away. No, you're, you're actually going to have more money to spend. 
now, now, granted, it won't, you know, th- those funds won't go to the public school system, the government school system, but there's, you know what, it's, it's, uh, for the, for the taxpayer, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Before we leave the budget, I'll, I'll be I'll be run out of breakfast tomorrow morning if I don't ask you this question. Because one of my friends is a retired, uh, retired school teacher. What, what was in the budget for uh, the, the retirees? Any change in their, their amounts? So I believe what they had on that, uh, Benny, if I recall correctly, was a 1% COLA. Mm-hmm. Um, a true COLA, not the bonus that you've seen in the past. And one one of the things that I found interesting, I went to the treasurer's office and asked him, you know, what type of retirement plan do we have for for the teachers? And it's a defined benefit plan. So you you know what that means. Defined benefit plan means when you retire, your pension is set at, you know, let's say, and I don't know the number, let's say it's $2,000 a month. That's what you get is $2,000 a month. It's not designed to change in a defined benefit plan. In a defined contribution plan, it will change based on the performance of the portfolio. So technically, I, I think part of the problem is we started, and if I remember correctly, it was under Bev Purdue, that they started with these raises that they were putting into it that were above and beyond even the performance of the plan, and we kind of got used to that adjustment. Um, you know, And I'm not saying that's the way we need to continue. What I am saying is that's the way the plan was originally set up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we, we would have to rethink the whole plan to constantly put raises into the retirement. Well, program. you know, when I, when I talk to people about this all the time, I mean, the, the only people that have defined benefit plans now are, are governments. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, very, very few people in corporate America. I mean, it, it's probably 10%. Yes. And it may be at best now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when these things were designed, just like Social Security, they design when their life expectancy was 64, 65 years old. That's correct. People would work till they were 60, 62, 3 years old. They lived three, four, five years, and they die. Okay. You know, a prime example, and I'm glad she did, that my grandmother drew federal retirement longer than she ever worked. Wow. And she lived to be 97 years old. I mean, yeah. the numbers just, I mean, I'm a math guy. You're a math guy. It's hard to make I'm not those, a math guy, and I can still figure that out. It's hard to make those numbers work. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Well, when I when I look at the defined benefit plans, and I know you see this in business as well as I do, you have people with these plans. They come in year after year. They're getting to the penny the same money. Yep. It doesn't change because when you go out on retirement, that's where it is. That's where it was supposed to stay. There's, uh, by the way, we're talking to Keith Kidwell, Representative Keith Kidwell, on some of the things that are being passed and some of the things out of the budget. Two things that are interesting, I thought, that you're taking away from the governor, the transfer of the state crime lab to independent state bureau of investigation, uh, also uh, making the state bureau of investigation independent department, uh, taking that away from uh, the, the governor's oversight, it looks like. Uh, and you, the, the charter school, there's some changes there. The budget would take away the state board of education's power to decide on charter school applications it would be handed over to an agency or an advisory board that would uh, be reviewing North Carolina charters. But, you know, right now there's a lot of people that are saying what you talked about in terms of, of tuition for private schools, the charter schools are sort of in the same predicament that the public school system has decided whether or not they will live or die. And uh, now they're saying, I mean, I look at it as that's a little bit of a conflict of interest. So I guess with this change, they'll be somewhat independent. It would make it independent. And the, the good thing about that is we, we've seen the success of 
the charter school system. Uh, they tend to produce a much better quality student. Uh, they tend to do it for less money. Uh, it's a, a very good program. I'm all in favor of it, as I am, you know, independence on schools, whichever way parents want to go. You also have a uh, out-of-the-budget bill. I'm trying to figure out what part of it is here, but you're making it easier for parents to challenge unfit school materials. I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, books in the public li- in, the, in the school libraries, and uh, you know, we've had guests in here talking about uh, parents going and protesting certain things that that uh, contain what is uh, equivalent to pornographic material uh, being exposed to minors, and it looks like uh, you're making it easier for parents to protest that and do something about that. As it should be, uh, I know one of my counties, the school board, uh, would not even allow the parents to speak on any item that was not on the agenda. And That's pretty common. That, that's, not, that's not what America is. You have the right to redress your grievances with your government, and it doesn't have to be on their agenda. Uh, and in actuality, I had contacted that school board and let them know that if they didn't fix that, I would. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the other thing that was interesting, too, related to education is you're going to beef up. There's a, a, a the Protect Our Students Act. That basically, you're coming down on, with a hammer on any teachers that uh, have an illicit uh, sexual relationship with students. That was a uh, bill that uh, Representative Torbett and I wrote. And it, it puts a very heavy hammer on, on people who sexually abuse children in the schools. i tell you what, uh, I, I probably haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. You have not. But uh, <laughs> I've been busy. You've been busy, and I didn't. I, I feel it. I, I mean, I might not dot every I and cross every T, but, uh, boy, the the direction you're taking this is uh, keep up the good work, brother. I'm, I'm impressed. This is great stuff coming out of a North Carolina legislature, I mean, as, as much as we look at what the government is doing, governments are doing, and the most part, is, it seems very distasteful to the average uh, citizen. This is, uh, this is some good and much-needed stuff. Is there anything else that I haven't touched upon that, that you think needs to be brought up at this point? Well, when you get down and dive into the budget, you're, you're going to see that there are, and we'll really codify this next week in finance, uh, there's going to be some significant tax cuts coming through. Uh, we're, we're looking pretty well across the board tax cuts. We're, we're also looking at funding uh, many more projects than what we've been able to do in the past. So, you know, with the management that we've done in the General Assembly over the last you know several years, what a little over a decade now, uh, we've we've turned this state around from you know we were just in a poor situation. Our, our teachers, let's go back there. Our teachers were some of the worst paid in in the east part of the United States. Uh, in our district, which is southeast, they were at the bottom. Yeah. And we were very quickly approaching the top. During COVID, we took a little bit of a backslide, but now we're going to try and pick that back up and get it where it needs to be. And, and we need to do this. You've seen it, Benny, running your own business. We've had increased pay in my office uh, for the, the, the payroll-type staff, not the commission people. You know, When prices go up, they get a raise. Uh, but my payroll staff, the hourlies, I've had to raise wages about 40% in the last year or so. Uh, you know, so we're the, as a state, we're going to have to be able to to look at that and say, and how do we keep up? You know, we we can't continue with 25% of our staffs that almost across the board missing. One other quick question, Benny's got for you. Oh, uh, and I think it's originated in the House. The gun permit bill. What what does it do? What changes? And when is it going to? So that, that it's in effect. 
Oh, and it's already in effect. I mean, yeah. I know it passed. Yeah, uh, we we overrode the governor's veto at 9:35 yesterday morning. It went into effect at 9:35. Oh, wow. So yeah, and, and and what that does. So let me clarify that because there's a lot of confusion there. It does not say you do not have to have a background check. What it does is it, it says you don't have to take a half a day, go down to the sheriff's department, fill out the paperwork, go through the whole process, then go back down two weeks or a month or two months later, pick the permit up, and then go purchase your, your firearm. It requires a NICS background check at the point of sale. So it's, it's just as secure as what we've been doing in the past. It's exactly what we do and have done for years with rifles. Mm-hmm. How instantaneous is that? I mean, does the... It's, it's, it's literally instant. So the, the gun dealer basically goes online and does a background check on yeah. you? you? You fill out a, a form. I, I forget the form number. Uh, you fill out a form. You answer a bunch of questions on that. Uh, and then they take that. They feed it into their computer, which takes a few minutes to get it in the system. But once they hit go, it's pretty much instantaneous. It comes back and says approved or declined. And also in this bill, uh, there, you can now carry a, uh, if you have a, well, I guess uh, you, you would either have to carry it outside or if you had a concealed carry, uh, you could take a, a weapon inside a school building if it is being used for a church service. If it's being used for a church service, not during any school function. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So let, let's look at, uh, I know St. Peter's here in Greenville has a school uh, with the church. Right. Same property. So right now that would, would have been illegal to carry a firearm in there uh, on Sunday into the church building because the, a school occupies the same building. So as long as it's not being used as a school or extracurricular activity as a school, then if you have a concealed carry permit, and if the, the building does not post, no firearms permitted. So they could actually put up a sign that says no firearms, and, and it would be the same rule that applies anywhere else. Because prior to this bill, as I understand it, it I mean, if you had a, a, a church and school on the same campus on Sunday, nothing going on in school, you couldn't have one in the church. That, that pr- is prior correct. To this bill. And, and where that was also a problem, Benny, is they couldn't even hire armed security guards. Right. Well, did, did that affect private schools? Like you said, St. Peter's, did, did that law oh, yeah. previously, it affect, it didn't matter oh, whether yeah. it was a public It doesn't matter private or public. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's school. Now, can a public uh, government school put up a no arms, no, no pistols, no guns allowed uh, sign on the door? Th- this doesn't change for the public schools. This was only for the, the schools was, uh, that are, okay. yeah, it's only for schools affiliated okay. with churches, so the, the public schools wouldn't be involved in that at okay. all. And didn't it also have some money, some money's going to be available for, for training, for safe storage? Yes. So what that is, it's uh, to advertise safe storage, to right. let people, you know, to, to inform people and educate them on what right. the safe storage of a firearm should be. You know, the, the stuff that I've seen with, with people, they leave them laying in the car, you know, it's on the seat next to them, and they get out of the car, they forget it, you can see it in the window. You know, you've got a, a five-year-old running around at home, and, and you've got that gun sitting on a dresser somewhere. That That's not safe storage. I, I'm, I'm a fond... Uh, uh, firearms aficionado. I've got several of them at my home. Uh, I keep all of mine in locked safes when when any children in anywhere near that home or if I'm going to be out of the area of where that firearm is for any period of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll I'll go home tonight. No kids are coming over tonight. It'll probably be on the nightstand next to my bed. If keep kid well, chance, keep kid well. We keep up. singing your praises, my friends. Thank so you, uh, keep Appreciate keep up the good work. We got to take a time. We kept you way over. So all the news media that's out there ready to interview, hang on, he's coming. Benny and I'll be right back.
Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. Put the song in this heart of mine. Put the smile on my face every time. Cause I love we are running late, but a real quick weather forecast. Uh, sunny uh, tomorrow. Some clouds, some sun. High of 75. All in all, not bad. Tomorrow night, uh, low near 65 with overcast skies. Saturday, it looks a little iffy. Windy and showers in the morning. Thunderstorms late in the afternoon. Uh, storms could contain strong gusty winds, a high near 77. So, uh well, half the time between now and Sunday will be pretty nice. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer, life gets busier, and you deserve some time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member, make new traditions with your friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Her number is 752-4653, extension 202. And remember, when you join Ironwood, you're also automatically a member of the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point Golf Club and Magnolia Greens Club located down near Wilmington. So, again, her number, Jenna's number, 252 4653. It is the Miracle Maker Marathon with music. I screwed that name up. <laughs> hey, we'll call it whatever you want. Rhonda is here with the James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. We're doing a radiothon. Uh, welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going great. So, what are your goals and what have you done? So we are just, we haven't quite announced that goal, the total yet for today, but we are on. Um, we're we're getting we're you know head we've got about what don't do math in my head but we've got about twenty some minutes left for today, um, so we're just um, just so excited to you know we have been here all day since six o'clock um, six o'clock this morning. Oh, you're um, dragging, aren't you? Yeah, it was a little bit been up since four a.m. Um, but you know we were on with Henry earlier this morning. We've had one hundred seven point nine. All of the Interbanks media stations have been carrying this radiothon today. So, you know, all of Eastern North Carolina, we are so blessed. I say to live here because we've got just the most generous people that there are um, who call in their support year after year to support uh, Maynard Children's Hospital. Well, if you want to support the hospital, the number to call is 1-800-673-KIDS or 5437. 1-800-673-5437. Or you can text ENC Kids to 51555. Yeah. Did I get that right? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things is 100% of your donation. doesn't matter if you call in $100, $5, $20, whatever donation you call in, 100% of that is going to go to directly to support programs and services at James and Connie Maynard Children's Hospital. Does any of this go to, uh, for, for the for the kids that might come in that have special financial needs, is, yeah. is part of this go to that? So we're a nonprofit hospital, so that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily understand about ECU Health. Um, is that we're a non we're a nonprofit, um, and so the money that comes in for this helps to provide those programs and services that we we wouldn't have otherwise. You know, we serve. Look at North Carolina, I ninety five East. That is the service area of the Children's Hospital, and so um, looking at you know looking at that, we're taking care of. Last year alone, we had over sixty thousand pediatric visits. 
You know, unfortunately, a lot of those are repeat kids because we have a lot large population of children who have cancer, sickle cell disease, chronic heart conditions. Um, but 60,000 times last year, kids came through these doors needing our care. Um, and so these dollars go for everything from life-saving pieces of equipment to, um, you know, I was just talking about we have a really special program. It's called Beads of Courage. How do you explain to a five-year-old that they have cancer? And so this Bees of Courage program allows our team, you know, they can pick each time a kid has a bone marrow aspiration, an infusion, um, they lose their hair, they get a different color bead. You'll see three- and four-year-old children walk in the halls of the children's hospital with multiple strands of these beads. It's a, hum it's a humbling experience. Mm -hmm. um, at the end, you know, they ring the bell, they're at the end of their cancer journey, and they get a purple heart um, because they've been to war with cancer. Um, things like that, you know, you can't put a price tag on something like that is what it helps these children to be able to explain what they've been through right up to life-saving pieces of equipment. Um, it's called ECMO. Don't ask me what that stands for because it's a really, really long word. But essentially it's heart-lung bypass. Um, so a child who has um, a condition where we literally let this piece of um, equipment take over their heart and their lungs to rest their little bodies until they're strong enough wow. to come off of that. Wow. Again, the number 1-800-673-KIDS, 1-800-673-5437. Rhonda, thanks for stopping Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks, Stay Rhonda. with us. Benny and I will be right back. I'm always reluctant after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, and I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Welcome back in. Uh, this just in, literally just in, former President Donald Trump has been indicted possibly as a part of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office year-long investigation into hush money payments. The charges stem from the $130,000 hush money payment then-Trump lawyer Michael Cohen made to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Uh, this out of Fox News, whose legal name is Stephanie Clifford, in the weeks leading up to the 2016 presidential election in exchange for her silence about an alleged sexual encounter with Trump in 2006. Federal prosecutor prosecutors in the Southern District of New York opted out of charging Trump related to the Stormy Daniels payment of 2019. Uh, the Federal Election Commission also tossed its investigation into the matter in 2021. Bragg, when he took over as district attorney in uh, January of 2022, stopped pursuing charges against Trump and suspended the investigation indefinitely. Prosecutors Mark uh, Pomeranz and Kerry Doon have been uh, leading the investigation under former DA Cyrus Vance, submitted their resignations after Bragg began raising doubts about pursuing a case against Trump. Trump earlier this month cited reports which he based were uh, which were based on what he called illegal leaks. Uh, he put that on Truth Social. Republican lawmakers and allies of Trump blasted the investigation as a political prosecution and weaponization of the office of the district attorney. So, um, really nothing here that I see yet. Have you scanned the whole thing? Yeah, I did not see any 
Any anything specifics. really just regurgitation of what's been going on, nothing about this specific indictment. Again, uh, we've talked about this numerous times, but uh, one, statutes of limitations have been here and gone. Uh, two, I, I don't know exactly what the issue is. Uh, he, he took the money out of his pocket, unlike John Edwards, who took the money out of the campaign war chest when he paid off uh, his water girl. Yeah, and it's a little bit further reach than that is uh, he did not. I mean, My- Michael Cohen sent him a legal bill, apparently, that Michael Cohen right. paid out of his pocket. Right. So Trump's paying his legal expenses as legal expenses. Now, I mean, somebody could argue, well, he knew what he was paying. but Or maybe did, he did. Did he? Did he? I mean, I mean, you'd have to prove that. Um, and I don't know how you do it. Or just Because you think so, because you scream louder, that means he did it. Uh, is this going to be interesting to see what happens here? Now, interestingly, there is a story out today uh, from Fox News that Trump has expanded his lead in the Republican primary, which, again, it's so far down the road, <laughs> whether this will change it, whether this will increase his lead even more. I mean, there's a lot of polling out there that has indicated that the situation with um Voters has given Donald Trump more sympathy vote, it sounds like, than without this, quote, persecution or whatever you want to call it. But the this latest Fox News poll, 2024 GOP presidential nominee preference among Republican primary voters. And again, this is this is a national poll. And as we've said often, you know, you really need to look at those early states. What are they going to do? But anyway, that being said, Donald Trump is now at 54 percent. In February, he's at 43%. Ron DeSantis has gone down 24% compared to 28% in February. Mike Pence at 6%. He's down one percentage point. He was at 7% in February. Liz Cheney. Why is Liz Cheney in there at all? (laughs) That's laughable. She has about as much. Actually, I think I could beat Liz Cheney in a primary. Anyway, she is at 3%. She was at 2% uh, back in February. Nikki Haley at 3%. She's down from 7% in February. And Greg Abbott, I don't think Greg Abbott's even going to run, but he's at 2%. That's where he was in February. So uh, all in all, uh, this will be interesting to see if this hurts him or helps him. Well, Ron DeSantis has not announced, but he's running. You know, you know, oh, yeah. you know how I know? He's he lost, wrote a book? He's lost, well, that. He, he's he lost, lost 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting his exercise. Come on now. So if you see me lose 20 pounds, I'm either run, I'm either running for office or I've got a vacation in the islands. Kind <laughs> <laughs> to look felt. Huh? Yeah, you got to walk around, you know. You know. Hey, we got to take another time out. We went too long with Keith, and uh, it was good, but we went a little long, so we got to get another ad in. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. Point of personal privilege. You know, yesterday I talked quite a bit about uh, the number of libs in the uh, journalism, mainstream media, and uh, entertainment mocking this uh, Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, the Mm -hmm. Covenant School and the Covenant Church, because, you know, they were mocking them. Literally, one, one commentator said, well, they didn't pray hard enough. They're always about prayer and Listen, I want to say two things. One, can you imagine what could have happened? You talk about answered prayer. 
that these two officers went in and took this nutty woman out as quickly, ran into the to the hail of bullets and took this woman out. How many dozens of kids could we be mourning? I mean, it, the, the the three that were lost and the three that adults that were lost. It, it was it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. I don't wanna, I don't want to make light of that. It's terrible. But when you stop and consider what might have happened, I, I'd say they were prayers answered. Absolutely, and people all the time, you know. You know, they run down law enforcement. They run down first responders or, or whatever. Um, and and there's there's you know, there can be bad apples in every profession. Right. But but with law enforcement, people got to understand that these are people that choose to a career that when there's danger, they right. run towards danger right. instead of running away. We're trained as humans to run away from danger, and they run to it. And these guys, well, and kudos to these guys, and kudos to the Nashville Police Department. Remember what happened down in Parkland, or Uvalde, yeah. where they mm-hmm. sat outside for an hour and basically said, don't go in there, you might get shot. These guys ran in there. Yeah, they didn't know what was around the corner. I reviewed a video with a friend of mine that's had a lot of training uh, in the military, and he said it was like textbook. The way really? they pulled that off. Yeah. Well, it was impressive. Now, you know, this 28-year-old woman, It. it I, this is just my casual observation. I'm no genius at all, and I'm not trained in this. But looking at what she did, this, this certainly appears to be suicide by police fire. Well, it's going to be interesting if they release the manifesto. I had to, Why haven't they released I, that yet? Well, I guess they got to redact things that's not politically correct. Probably. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. Uh, if somebody else had said, uh, you know, th- th- this would have a whole different look to it if this was a MAGA Republican that went into a mosque and shot up people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that it was someone who was part of the transgender community. It's uh, Anyway... Uh, I just want to say that, you know what, prayer works, and uh, keep praying for the folks down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and especially the folks involved at Covenant Presbyterian Church. Our thanks to Keith Kidwell, and uh, don't forget to call if you want to support the Children's Hospital, 1-800-673-5437. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.